Everything you need is within you. Together, we will explore and deepen our innate connection back to self and spirit. We are the Oracles. We are the Oracles. information shared on this podcast is based on Allie and Arlene's experiences, opinions, and research done beforehand. Neither Allie or Arlene are licensed practitioners. We advise you to do your own research on each topic mentioned. We are not responsible for your stupidity. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for sticking around. Now we are going to get into the latter half of this episode and which we will talk about scary stories. Are you guys ready? I hope so, because these are actually pretty scary stories. So this scary story was submitted by my father who, you know, I told him about the episode, I told him what we we're doing and, you know, we I told him we're looking for we're, we're looking for scary stories and he was like you should talk about this one. And so, let's go ahead and get into it. So this actually happened in his early 20s when he was out partying one night, right? Cuz that's what we do when we're in the early 20s, we go out and party as we should. And so he was on his way back home and the way my grandmother's house, may she rest in peace, is set up is it's in front of flower shops, right? You know, if you're standing on her doorway in front, you will have like three or four flower shops. And then to the left of the house and all the way to the end of the street is a cemetery. The cemetery goes around the corner to your right and then it goes a couple of acres back. And this house was actually bought because my grandmother's mother is actually buried in that cemetery. And on my mother's side, we, we do have a plot there that we have a couple of our, our dearly departed buried there as well. So my dad was coming back home from the side of the cemetery where it stretches back acres. Um, he was coming back from that side. Back in the day, there really weren't big lampposts that illuminated like the entire street. There was like maybe one candle flickering in the wind. And so for whatever reason, my dad was coming back alone and you know, he was on foot. Then as he turned the corner um, on the way to my grandmother's house, there was a tree inside of the cemetery and it actually grew up out and down the, the wall of the cemetery. So it was kind of like an upside down hook. My dad said that every time he passed that tree, something always threw three small rocks at his feet. One always passed his right side, one always passed his left side, and then the third one always passed right in the middle of his feet. And so this time, it happened again. You know, he kept walking like usual because, I mean, he's used to it, so he just kept, he kept walking. He recalls walking with his head down. And so, full disclosure, he also mentioned, I might have had a couple of drinks, but, you know, if you know my dad, he can drink half a bottle of whiskey and still not get tipsy at all. So he's a heavy drinker, so... He might have had a couple of drinks, but it didn't really affect him to where he couldn't 
tell right from wrong. And so my dad was walking and then suddenly he noticed a gentleman approaching him. And my dad kept his head down, he kept walking. And as a gentleman was getting closer, he told my dad, if you keep this up, you're going to get in serious trouble. And my dad is actually quite fiery, <laughs> like me. I guess it runs in the family, right? He doesn't take shit from a stranger. I mean, whatever. And so at the time, my dad actually had a huge peace and love belt buckle. Well, as this gentleman was getting closer and closer, my dad was like taking off his belt. He wrapped it around his hand and he and my dad turns it around and kind of like swings at this guy. And as he touches the guy's cheek, he just turns to dust. Like he just disappears. Nada. Nada. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, obviously this left my dad shook. And right after he heard his friend screaming, yelling from, from the side of the cemetery where it stretches back to acres, the friend was running towards him. And he realized that his friend was like screaming and freaking out. And he was like, hey, you know. And right behind his friend, there was a horde of basically what the best thing that I can describe this as a horde of the walking dead and they were chasing my dad's friend his friend actually catches up to him and you know he's freaking out and his friend has no clue what to do like all these dead zombie people are chasing after him and you know like what the hell you know he's freaking out and he kind of like goes up against the wall of the cemetery and while he's explaining to my dad like hey these people are chasing me i don't know where they came from and my dad's like okay let's get the hell out of here and he tries to like pull him away but it's like the friend is frozen to the wall. And so he's freaking out, he's freaking out, it's freaking my dad out. And so my dad's reaction was, let me punch him in the face to snap, snap him out of it. <laughs> and so he punches him and he's like, come on, let's go, let's get out of here. <laughs> and right then the, the guard, the cemetery guard, like approaches him in his bike. And in Mexico, especially like during colonial Latin America, there were what people called veladores. And so th what they did is they walked around the neighborhood with a whistle and they would scream, Son las ocho y todo está sereno. And it translates to, it's eight o'clock and everything is all right. In the neighborhood that we live in, in Mexico, we actually have a velador that rides his bike around and has a whistle. Instead of screaming, he just kind of like blows a whistle mm -hmm. and, you know, you know that nobody is in danger or anything. And so the cemetery apparently had one too. And the guard like rides up to them and is like, hey, are you guys okay? He's genuinely concerned because the look on their face is just like crazy. And, you know, the, the friend explains, there's a horde of people after me. I don't know what to do. I don't know. They're like all dead. I don't know where they came from, you know, freaking out. And so the guard's like, let me go ahead and escort you back home. Because he didn't see the, the horde of people, right? So, yeah, so the guard escorted my dad and his friend to his house. And that is not a night my dad will forget. Did he did he see the people running toward his friend or is just his friend running? My dad also saw the, the horde of people running. They just disappeared when that guy came? I feel like, yeah, so they, as, you know, my dad was trying to, like, peel the guy off from the cemetery wall, you know, they, they were still had in their mind and their eyesight that the people were on their way. But then the second they turned to look at the security guard and then they looked back, like, the people were gone. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. mm, I wonder what your dad walked in on. I wonder what his friend was doing to like right? have people chasing after him. I wonder who he pissed off, like to bring that illusion onto him. You know, in in San Luis, there are a lot of cemeteries. I know 
that cemetery in particular is quite old, but then part of the cemetery wall, there's shops there and are in business. And so we have heard stories of people that have worked in the shops or the shop owners saying that that they hear like people are dragging chains or they hear people that are like running around or little kids and like weird shit has happened in those shops. If you look at the history of, of San Luis Potosí, it was actually founded in the 15th century. So it's a fairly old colonial they found mines of silver and gold. And so that obviously attracted the king at the time. And that brought in a lot of people from that were not native of San Luis Potosí. And so therefore a lot of people died. Mm. So the cemeteries are pretty big because of that. Um, so it's, it's interesting because of the history, but then also the history remains there. Huh? Yeah, I couldn't live next to a cemetery. No. <laughs> There's, um, in the city I grew up in, um, there's this, a cemetery, a little small one. It's really old. And they built all these big houses next to it. I was like, I could not be in one of those houses. Knowing, knowing me, I'm going to see shit. There have been times when I have gone to Mexico and stayed at my grandma's house. And it's actually pretty tranquil at night. Um, am I going to walk by the cemetery at the middle of the night? No. <laughs> but um, it's actually pretty quiet. It's The cemeteries are are well protected, I guess you could say, because our dead are in there, right? And so the cemeteries have their own guards. They have their, uh, like the gates that lead to the cemetery are pretty, pretty strong and the walls are pretty high. So it's just like, they're very well protected because either they want to keep the living out or they want to keep the dead in. Does your dad like ever like get, when he's there, does he ever get like deja vu of what? that happened like does he ever feel like he he'll see something again when he goes past when he visits his mom's house um no he actually he actually doesn't but then again he always does my dad is very sensitive he he can see and hear things things that i i can't even see right um he's actually had really like he's actually had interesting interactions with the dead when my dad was younger he he drove an 18-wheeler and he just like traveled all throughout mexico and he's seen accidents that involve you know an entire bus children pregnant women you know and men and so i find it interesting because when he's come across those accidents he has actually helped getting the dead to a position where it's like a much more peaceful position, right? He says that there was this one instant incident where he came across a bus accident and the the driver was kind of like, he was caught from his midsection and he was hanging out from the, the dashboard of the bus. Mm-hmm. And so he was just like hanging out and like, granted, you know, whenever you are there, you can't really touch the dead because... You know, the coroner has to arrive and then, you know, people have to take the necessary steps to to document it whenever they give the okay, like he stayed to make sure that the dead are are like laid down properly. And if there's anybody that needs help, he's always there. And I believe I believe because he's had all these experiences and interactions with the dead, he is respected by the dead and so they're more likely to approach him and try and like get his attention my story that i that i got was from my grandfather uh my popo is what i call him uh he's my mom's dad and um when i was little i love scary stories i love stories in general 
But when I was little, he when I would go to San Antonio, because um, I think starting at third grade, every summer I would start going to San Antonio either for a month or the whole summer. And I would switch between my mom's family and my dad's family, hanging out with my, my mom's family. My, my bopo, he would always tell stories. He'd be laying down on his stomach and we're drawing on his back and he would tell us different stories different stories and our favorite ones were scary stories and literally like he would tell us a story and in the middle of the story he'll fall asleep and then we'll shake him and then he'll start back up where he ended and it was always fascinating when I was little to like have him start right back up instead of repeating what he had already said and so one of the stories he would tell us is about the donkey lady we don't know what the donkey lady is I don't know if there's other places uh, in Texas or somewhere else that talk about the donkey lady but in San Antonio there's like a in, within a cemetery there's the the donkey lady who is half half woman so her body is of a woman and she has a donkey face and she supposedly is um, the devil's wife and she takes souls down into hell the story he would tell us was it was based in San Antonio, and on the east side of San Antonio, there's a cemetery that is believed to have the donkey lady. Around Halloween, there's a superstition that she comes out. So these group of teenagers, they it was a, um, two girls and, a, and two boys, they decided that they wanted to sleep in the cemetery to see what would happen, to see if they saw the donkey lady. So on Halloween night, they go to the cemetery on the east side of San Antonio, and they camp out and they're like hanging out, talking, chit chatting. And then out of nowhere, they start hearing noises. So they start investigating, you know, how that there's tombstones everywhere. And then they notice that this one tombstone, it started glowing and then it started like opening up. And then while it was opening up, they see the donkey lady. She comes out as dressed as a woman. And then she has a donkey lady face or donkey face. And they start running. And they start, one of them starts tripping over the, the tombstones and she starts capturing them and dragging them into the, um, the grave that she had came out of. They were running and she was capturing them all. None of them lived. They all didn't survive. They all got captured. They got taken down to hell. And I don't know why this was one of my favorite stories when I was little. One summer uh, while I was pregnant with my oldest, my cousins and I went around San Antonio and started going to the, these haunted places. There's also a donkey lady bridge that supposedly she hangs out at. And so my cousin and I went and we pretty much scared ourselves, you know, and because nothing really happened. We just stood, we just sat in the car on this bridge in the middle of the night. And then we also went to an asylum asylum that is abandoned in uh, San Antonio. So there, and next to it is a juvenile jail or prison. And so we had to park there and like walk down this long road to get to the same asylum and supposedly if you park on the road the guy that lives on the property beside the same asylum will shoot or destroy your tires so we had to park in that one parking lot and then while we're walking down and mind you I'm pregnant I'm probably like I'm like four months pregnant I think at that time and we 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 hear an owl and my cousin and I look at each other we're like okay that's not a good sign you know especially at night and we're going to a haunted place so we get in and we go to the front and all we got to was the front lobby. We walked in and then our flashlight wasn't working. We had like a little shitty one and we're like, you know what? That's enough. And then we went to, 
to other places. There's a place called the Aqueducts in San Antonio that supposedly there's a lady that um, haunts it also. We went there. We didn't see anything, but it was fun. I know we have listeners that live in San Antonio. So if you, if any of these listeners know, like, or have seen the donkey lady or know a little bit more about the donkey lady, feel free to like, feel free to just tag us on your stories or, or include it in the comments. We're definitely more interested. I have never heard of the donkey lady up until now. I don't know. One of those, I guess it's a story that he made up or I don't know, but mm-hmm. just to entertain us. And that was always, for some reason, the yeah. one I enjoyed listening to. It's scary. Like, most scary stories have to do with women and, like, scary stories or, like, like legend, like, deep mm-hmm. urban legend myths. Um, and so it, yeah. it kind of, like, leads into the next. It's not really a scary story. It's much more of, like, a urban legend. It's very similar to the donkey lady. Um, this urban legend is actually r- regarding the Tlahuepuchil, and they are mythical creatures of Tlaxcalan folklore. And so, um, if you guys are, if anybody's familiar with the the state of Mexico, it's actually Tlaxcala is like on the southern eastern part of Mexico City, and so. This is this being is believed to be prominent in the Mexican state of Tlaxcala, as I just mentioned, with deep roots in the indigenous Nahuatl culture of the region. And so the word Tlahuepuchil derives from the Nahuatl Tlahuipochli, which roughly means to light or illuminate, because it has the kind of glowing aura when, you know, they shapeshift. And so there are accounts that confirm this, um, accounts that confirms seeing balls of light and just pretty much fire flying around. And so the Tlahuepuchil is a kind of vampire witch that lives with its human family. It is a shapeshifter and sucks the blood of infants at night. The Tlahuepuchil are born with their curse and cannot avoid it. And they first learn about it during puberty. So it's like, oh, um, you have your cycle, but then also you're this. Mm. <laughs> like if one thing wasn't enough already. And so... Um, most Tlahuepuchis are female, and the female Tlahuepuchil are more powerful than the males. When the Tlahuepuchil go hunting, they do so usually in the form of a bird. And so some of you guys might be familiar with the term lechuza. Mm-hmm. I've definitely heard it growing up. Um, lechuzas are a, another word for, for like owls, right? And so they're believed that lechuzas are witches that have shapeshifted into owls. But according to my research, the Tlahuepuchil can also turn into vultures, turkeys, cats, dogs, um, or any other animals, really. And one interesting thing that I found is that apparently the Tlahuepuchil perform a ritual before entering a home. It's believed that they fly around over the house in the shape of a cross. They start from north to south and then east to west. And many believe that they can be word off if the in- from the infant if the infant is wearing gold, which it kind of ties into what... I've heard about witches or like Tlahuepuchil in particular is that if you have gold earrings or a golden necklace, then it's going to ward off the Tlahuepuchil. So I found that interesting. I've also heard accounts as gro- as I was growing up that people have seen fires just like flying around. And so whenever whenever they see that, they're like, oh, it's, it's a bruja, right? And so mm-hmm. I feel that the term bruja is synonymous, at least in Mexico, with the Tlahuepuchil, but in reality, they're just something completely different. Not entirely, but just something different. It's like a bruja is 
you know, you and me, but we don't turn into, we can't shapeshift. We don't, we don't do that. And so that's just a different category, right? Yeah. I know uh, when I was, when I was little, I remember my cousins, they, they go to, Me- well, they, when they were smaller, they would go to Mexico because um, their mom is from Durango. And I remember one of the stories that they told me about was about these little witches and that they was, they will come out, like you would see them in the fields and they're like little fires, and I remember thinking how interesting that was because I've always liked listening to scary stories and things that happen, you know, to people. Um, I didn't realize what they were originally called until you brought up the Talipuchi. La Wepuchil. The Talipuchi, whatever. Yeah, you know, I can't say shit sometimes, you know? Dude, the <laughs> Nawa, the Nawa, I mean, there's so many, so many languages that are so confusing, like the Gaelic are confusing, the Nawa, um like language is confusing like it's all tongue twisters like oh if you can pronounce this then you're, I can pronounce then, it in, then my you're head. in. <laughs> but... and you know what it's i i feel like that's where a lot of people fuck up right whenever they try to do spells any type of spell work and they can't pronounce the latin word or the nahuatl word then it, it means complete something completely different mm-hmm. and and that's where shit goes wrong right it's like the pronunciation is what gets you <laughs> yeah and then with my accent that i have whatever it is i some words i can't say like my tongue just mm-hmm. like won't say it or my mouth just won't say it I yeah so they've always it's just it. it's just the fact that you're not used to pronouncing those words and your tongue isn't used to exercising those muscles because that's the same issue that I have with with my with my husband I was trying to teach him a couple of words in Spanish and initially he didn't get them but then after a quite a few tries like his tongue was just getting used to exercising those muscles yeah so I know and then, then some people do have accents and I always blame mm-hmm. if I can't pronounce something, I'm always like, it's just my accent. <laughs> yeah, it's my, it's my Texas accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> just, it doesn't allow my, my mouth mm. to do certain shit. The next uh, scary story or urban legend that we're going to talk about is the Skinwalkers. If you haven't heard of Skinwalkers, they are Navajo spirits. I first uh, learned about the, the Skinwalkers pretty recently um, when I used to work at my old corporate job. I would listen to podcasts a lot and I would listen to scary stories and mainly ones that were read off Reddit. And that's when I learned about skinwalkers. So if you don't know what skinwalkers are, they're from the Navajo culture. And the skinwalker is a type of um, witch that has the ability to shapeshift like the shapeshifters that Arlene had um, discussed. But they disguise themselves as inhuman uh, in human form and as an animal form, Navajo does have, they do have a name for it, but I'm not going to say it because supposedly if you say it, they can bring them to you and I don't need that, you know? So if you want to know the name, you can Google it. So Skinwalker is more of like an English name for them. The story that I found about a Skinwalker was on Reddit and I love looking at stories on Reddit. So I'm going to read it to y'all. It's about a young woman's experience with a skinwalker since she was really little, about six years old, until she was about a teenager. Before I begin, I would like to say that this story is very long. It has been something that's haunted me since I was six years old, since my first encounter with it. I had dreams about this and two very specific encounters, encounters with this creature. I'm sharing the story so I could possibly find find help on what to do. I am a 21-year-old female, and I still worry about this creature finding me. I would always go camping with my grandparents, who I call Grammy and Grampy. 
at the end of this of my school year. I would always look forward to it since growing up loving the outdoors and the woods. I especially love camping, loving the idea of having s'mores, taking long hikes and, and being around the campfire. And of course, the wildlife we could see. Now I grew up in California, mostly near cities. So the forest was like my true home to me. I always prefer being near the trees and dirt rather than being around buildings and crowded places. Besides the woods, we were much quieter and more pe- peaceful. I always felt safe when I was there, like nothing could ever hurt me. But something strange would always happen at the end of the month of May. I would have this reoccurring dream during the last week of my school year. I would be in the woods walking alone down a dirt, a dirt trail. The woods were always strangely quiet. I would continue to walk this path until I saw this red fox poke its head from behind a tree. Its eyes were always strangely human-like, and they were yellow and somehow looked like a teddy bear's eyes. It would just stare at me. It wouldn't make a sound at all. It would just watch me. Usually in my dream, I would go up and pet it, that making the fox make a noise, and usually it was a soft growl. Then I would continue walking, and it would follow me. The first time I would have this dream was when I was actually five years old, and and it would last until I was about 11. Over the years, it it would be... The same exact thing. I will walk in the woods, find the fox, pet it, and then continue my hike with it alongside me. But having this dream of for the fourth time, it would start to walk behind me. And then when I started feeling uneasy about the fox, I could hear it make odd noises. But every time I went back to look, it was just walking like nothing was wrong, even somehow giving me a smile. I now believe that this was a warning of the creature. Now that the dream is out of the way, I can talk about my first encounter. I was six years old, and I was going on a camping trip with my Grammy and my Grampy for about a week. Of course, I was very excited for it, being able to barely keep myself in my school seat for the last day of, of kindergarten. They had picked me up right as the bell rung and already had the camping trailer attached to my Grampy's truck. I remember he drove an old red truck that, had, that only had three seats, me always in the middle. It took about two hours to get there and another good hour to find our usual camping spot. It was deep in the woods and far from people because my Grammy wasn't too fond of being around other people while camped. As they were setting up the camping trailer, I wandered around the campsite digging in the dirt for bugs. I sat down on the dirt and started to dig, but I noticed how strangely quiet the woods were. It was never quiet, not even a dead of night. I thought it was odd, but being only six, I didn't think much too much about it. As I continued to dig for bugs, however, I thought I heard my Grammy call for me. She would usually call me Sugar Burger, that being a nickname she gave me since I was born. That was what I heard, but it sounded like she was very far away and somewhat sick. Sugar Burger, I looked up where I heard it from, that being the woods, but there was no way she was right there because she was still unloading stuff from the truck. Even at age six, I didn't feel right, so I walked closer to my grandparents and stayed next to them. I soon forgot about the weird encounter, though we began to have fun. For the rest of the day, we played cards, card games, sat next to the campfire and as we ate and stared up at the stars. I always loved seeing the stars. They are never being anywhere I lived at. We started to get sleepy around 10 p.m., and I believe we started to get ready for bed. There were bunk beds that me and my Grammy would sleep on, keeping our luggage on top bunk. We would sleep on the bottom up. Due to my Grampy's snoring, he would sleep on the couch of the trailer. I would always sleep next to the trailer window, just in case I couldn't sleep and wanted to look outside. I fell asleep pretty quickly, though, that being the last day of school and all, it was pretty exhausting. I remember waking up maybe hours later and still being pitch black outside. It wasn't weird for me to wake up 
late at night since I always have trouble sleeping. I rolled onto my side trying to fall back to sleep until I heard sugar booger. My eyes immediately shot open and I heard my nickname being called, but I knew it wasn't my grandparents. They were both asleep and never were known to talk sleep talk before. I started to feel this horrible feeling in my gut, like whatever I was hearing was wanting to really hurt me. Even at age six, I knew it wasn't normal. Then I started to hear tapping at the, ta- at the trailer window. It was soft but loud enough for me to hear it. Tap, 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 tap. I just sat there, frozen in fear. I was trying to just brush it off as, as tree branches or rain, but I just knew it wasn't it. I could feel that it was really someone or something tapping on the window. Then I decided to be brave and look. Big mistake. I pulled the curtain away to only peek, and all I saw were these these large yellow eyes. They seemed glassy, yet not entirely real. They looked like giant teddy bear eyes, but cold and unwelcoming. I remember in in that moment, I panicked and quickly closed the curtain back, back up. I then hid under my blanket, that being the only thing I knew what to do with the monster. I could feel tears running down my face. I'd never been so terrified in my life. I just curled up with my Grammy and... Grammy's side and clung to her all night. That damn thing tapped, got louder and louder and more persistent throughout the night. I don't remember falling asleep, but somehow I did. I do remember my my grandpa waking me up around noon, saying how if I got up quickly enough, we could go fishing. I honestly didn't want to leave the trailer at all, terrified that whatever I saw that night before would be out there. I did eventually go outside, but I was constantly looking around horrified that whatever saw me last night would get me. My Grammy immediately knew I was scared and pulled me into a hug, asking what is wrong. I did tell her what I saw and heard, and surprisingly, she believed me. The next thing I knew, she was telling my Grampy that we were moving campsites. It took a bit, a bit to convince him, but he, but he did eventually start to pack up and hook the trailer onto his truck. I was put into the truck so I could properly sleep, but I couldn't. I kept feeling that I was being watched, thinking that every little noise was that thing I saw, that if I closed my eyes even for a second, it would get me. My Grammy wasn't too far from me when I heard it heard it again, but this time it was my actual name. Alia. In this moment, I had never seen my, my Grammy move so fast. She looked up into the trees where we heard it from and then to me. She then got into the truck with me and pulled me into a tight, protective hug. I began to cry all over again telling her now I wanted to just get back home. That's when my grandpa got in the truck as well, and since I was sobbing so hard to the point I was coughing, he agreed that we could go home. We started to head out of the campsite, still hurt that this trip had been ruined by something, but I still did not, but I still didn't know what. That's when something in my head told me to look back. I slowly did, feeling an ice-cold fear wash over me as I saw something, a red fox, sitting in the middle of the campsite, sitting there with large yellow eyes, the same red fox from my dream, somehow curling his lips in an eerie smile. After that encounter, we never did go back to to that campsite. We did continue to camp, but in more populated areas. I didn't tell my grandma what I saw, but she had told me to trust my gut. She knew I was sensitive to certain entities, and that would help me if I trusted it. Now, this would be the end of the story, but I'm afraid it isn't. There was one more encounter I had with this creature, and it was much more terrifying than the first. The second encounter, I was about 17 years old. By this time, I knew very well 
what a skinwalker was now. And I was very, I was still very paranoid every time I went near the wooded areas. I still worried about seeing that fox, but I never really thought about it too much. My younger siblings and I were staying at a relative's house for Christmas, then living up into a mountain area. I think they were my great aunt or uncle, but I'm not sure. Where they lived, there was no service at all. So unless we hooked up to onto their Wi-Fi, we had no phones. I didn't mind the house, still loving the woods no matter what happened. Although at night, I hated how they didn't close the window curtains, making it easy anything outside to see inside. But I did feel safe while inside the house, knowing that they wouldn't let anything hurt us kids. Luckily, it didn't snow where they lived, so we could go outside and run around. They also had this beautiful black lab being about one years old named Pam. She was very playful and normally would li- wouldn't listen to anyone but my uncle. Although she was easily excitable, she was a good puppy. One of the days we were there, my little sister and our aunt went out to the store for a nice girl's day. Although I'm a girl, I wanted to go hiking with my uncle and my little brother. We left pretty early since the hike we were doing was four hours of walking into town. It was really chilly morning, but since we were doing so much walking, it felt great. We also decided to take Pam. It was a good way for her to get exercise and have fun. About maybe an hour into our walk, I started to slow down a bit, enjoy, wanting to enjoy the beautiful forest. It was, it was so peaceful, I could have honestly stayed there. But as we continued to walk, I started to feel something odd. I noticed how quiet the forest had suddenly became, hearing only our footsteps and my brother talking to our uncle. Pam noticed it too, her ears going straight up and growling softly. I started to pick up my pace to get next to my brother, worried that possibly a coyote or a mountain lion was nearby. I knew, though, that they wouldn't be out at this time, even if they were, they didn't walk near the roads. My little brother was about nine at this time, and being the oldest sibling, my natural instinct was to protect him. My uncle noticed the silence as well, telling us to stay close to him and Pam, who was now next to me, still growling. I began to feel this terrible feeling again, that ice-cold fear I once felt when I was six. I tried so hard not to think of the creature, but it was all I could worry about. I was scared. I felt like I was back to being that scared little six-year-old girl. I had to stop for a moment, though. Seeing my shoelace came undone, I quickly kneeled down to tie it back up. Trying to hurry just to get out of there, that's when I heard it. Alia! In that moment, my heart dropped into my stomach. My eyes were widened. I could just feel myself starting to shake from fear. I was ri- it was right next to me. I heard it clear as day. I slowly turned my head, and there it was. That same red fox, still having those horrid yellow eyes and that same demented smile. Only this time, I saw it much more clearer. Its fur looked so matted and disgusting. The smell it had was rotten, decaying flesh mixed with garbage. Its limbs were much too long for a normal fox, the back legs bending completely the wrong way. Those eyes were still the worst thing about it, but now they looked emptier than I remembered. To, I wanted to scream, to run, to cry, but I just couldn't. I was frozen as I was, too scared to even blink. Then I heard it speak again. This time, however, it had mimicked my little brother's voice. Found you. Before anything else could happen, Pam suddenly jumped in front of me and started to bark like mad, snapping and growling so aggressively that it scared me out of my frozen, frozen trance. When I looked back, it was gone. I used that moment to run over to my brother and uncle who didn't see what I saw as they were too far ahead. I heard my uncle start to pray and sing a song under his breath, keeping my brother and myself close to him. 
I was just too scared to look back. So I just kept my, my eyes on the ground and refused to stop walking. Pam had stopped barking, but she was still loudly growling and never left my sight as we continued our hike. My brother was a little worried, but he just thought it was a coyote. When we finally made it into town, my uncle had called our aunt and told her to pick us up, saying something about how it wasn't safe for us to walk back. Thankfully, she did come and get us, but she was confused since we talked about the hike for days. On the car ride back, Pam never left my left me alone. She was right with me the entire time. She knew that that thing was after me, and she protected me. I was very grateful she was with us. Who knows what would have happened. When we got back to the house, I talked to my, my aunt and uncle. Once I told them what had happened, they started to pray and check all the locks. Unfortunately, this made our Christmas vacation cut short, and they were worried that I wasn't safe in the woods. So we were taken back home the next day, making the excuse that something with their friend had happened. The end. Wow, that's uh, that's scary. And it goes back to one of our earliest episodes where we mentioned that spirits have all the time in the world or demons <laughs> or both. They have all the time in the world, so they, they're willing to wait yeah, if they want then, something. I've also heard um, that skinwalkers, once they get your um, scent, like there's no way to get rid of it unless you like trick it or like disappear somehow or stay out of the woods like she did. And then um, my oldest, she was saying that at night, she heard about skinwalkers that at night, if you whistle, that it calls them. And I remember when I was, because I have a thing about whistling. I love to whistle. And when I would wait for my dog at, and wait for them to finish, I was like, whistle. This, because I like to whistle. And I never thought about it. And then when we first did this first recording after all of this, it made me think about my dreams that I had and the thing that was asking me for a long time. And I'll get into it more when we talk about our, our dreams and our scary shit that we have countered. But it made me remember it. And I think it's a skinwalker. I wanted to include this story because I think the fact that she dreamt about it, especially when she was little. So this thing, this skinwalker, whatever it is, it has known her since she was little, you know, because they already knew her name for when, you know, her nickname and her real name. And so it's probably been following her, probably found her while she was there when she was little and then somehow was attracted to her, mainly probably by her spirit. Cause like she just said, her grandmother says she's very sensitive to spirits and children are, especially at little ages. And so I just think it's interesting that her spirit in the dream, her energy body was showing her before, you know, so she wouldn't yeah. be as, even though she was scared, wouldn't be as scared, you know? Kind of like warning her about it. Yeah. Like if, I don't know, maybe they're, they have some ties, whatever spirit turned into that skinwalker, maybe they have some true, you know, ties. I don't know. I'm just speculating. You never know. <laughs> the next scary story that I have is a story that is very particular to my hometown, right? Because my life revolves around my hometown, apparently. Um, and this story is about La Dama Enlutada, and it translates to the veiled lady. And this actually happened back like in the 1950s. Um, yeah, 1950s, 1960s. A gentleman um, was, you know, 
finishing his shift, uh, his graveyard shift, he was a taxi driver, and he he was finishing off his shift, he was about to get off, he was driving by a cemetery, and he saw a lady that was standing outside who was flying, flagging him down. If you are familiar with your, your great-grandmother's rituals, they typically, maybe even your parents, they typically involve them waking up early in the morning at the ass crack of dawn and cleaning, <laughs> right? My grandmother would wake up like at five in the morning to sweep her front yard. And so it's common, right, to to do other things, right, to, um, to clean your, your front yard, to clean your home, to go to the cemetery, to go to church, just so you can go ahead and pay your respects um, perform the rituals that you have to perform, your morning rituals, and then get ready for your day. So it's very common to see uh, people hanging around the cemeteries early in the morning. And so um, the gentleman, you know, he he saw the lady, he, he pulled over, he picked her up, and she got in. And he was like, where to? And she was like, can you take me to um, the cathedral of... La Iglesia del Carmen, right, which is um, a church specific, specifically for the Virgin of El Carmen or Virgin of Carmen. And he was like, sure, sure, no worry. Um, I'll go ahead and take you. So they drive over there. They get there. You know, he stays in the car in his car to make sure that she goes in and also to wait for his payment. And the lady goes up to the to the church and it's, it turns out that it's locked. And um, the lady was like, Oh, it's actually logged. I'll just go ahead and wait until they open so that way I can, you know, go to mass. And the gentleman was like, are you sure? Is there anywhere else that I can take you? And she was like, no, no, no. And then um, she was like, I actually don't have cash on me, but she took off her ring and she gave it to him and said, you know, um, I don't have cash, but if you go to this address, ask for this gentleman give him the ring he'll pay you what he what what is owed and he was like i mean i guess right he's like i prefer the cash but if you have a ring sure whatever and you know he just drives away he doesn't go that day because you know he just got off his shift and he has things to do so he goes in the next couple of days and it turns out that he the address is actually a law firm and he asked to speak to the head lawyer and you know he goes into the office and he tells him the story you know the other the other morning i dropped off this lady at this church she asked me to give you this ring she gave me your name and so here it is here's the ring and it was this much and the gentleman's like quiet for a minute and he's trying to figure out like what's going on and the gentleman's like the taxi driver i guess he's like is there everything okay and the gentleman um, is like, you know, this ring actually belongs to my mom. And she was buried like six years ago. And so the taxi driver, it takes him by surprise because he was like, I can't, I, I don't believe you. One, because I had a full on conversation with this lady. We drove around, we talked. She gave me your ring. Like, how could she be dead? And so he's still like trying to figure out what's going on. And it suddenly hits him that he was talking to a dead lady. And for the next couple of weeks, he just, he can't seem to get out of the shock. And he eventually starts to like wither away. And then, and then he dies because he just never was able to get out of the shock of 
the fact that he spoke to a lady, got in his car, they talked, he, she gave him the ring, you know, like, you know, all of that. So he eventually withered away and died. I wonder if he was, you know, because spirits, they don't always present themselves as like things you can see through, you know, a lot of times they appear to be solid. I know when, from my memory, when I encountered a spirit, I thought it was a, you know, a real person from my memory, you know. So it's interesting because maybe, you know, we encounter more with spirits than we all know, you know, right. in our daily life. And because they appear to be solid, we assume that they're alive. Right. And, you know, this was actually, a, an, this is actually an urban legend in, you know, my hometown. And for the longest time, like in my family, we didn't really believe it to be true. We were just like, yeah, whatever. Like, oh, don't go by the cemetery because you're going to, you know, come across La Dama Nutada. We were like, you know, whatever. We we joked about it. But like, I want to say like around 10 years ago, a family, um, a family friend, we were, I mean, we were all gathering and um, he arrived to the gathering and we were like dude what's going on he looked he looked shook he looked like he literally seen a ghost and he was like oh my gosh i just i just saw la dama nutada and we were like whatever dude really what tell us what happened and he was like no 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 i was driving by the cemetery and this this was at night and he was like i was driving by the cemetery and i saw a lady all dressed in black with a veil over her face over her head over her face and she was flagging me down and i'm like whatever dude and he was like no i'm serious and i just like kept driving because i was like i don't i don't want her (laughs) to get in my car because sometimes there have been other stories where they they know of an urban legend they see something that is similar or that looks like the main character of the urban legend and they just keep driving and then they just get on they either get on your car or they get in your car Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, like that actually happened to to my to my uncle when he was still alive. Like there was an urban legend of of a lady who was would ask for um who would ask for rides, and so the urban legend was she asked for a ride on her way back from 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 school because I think she was a teacher, and someone gave her a ride and abused her and then just left her for dead, and then eventually she died, and since then her spirit has been trying to get back home but in the process she waits where she was picked up when she was alive and just like flags down drivers and so my uncle was driving because he was also an 18-wheeler he was driving through that stretch and his um they typically always have co-pilots right that if the driver is too tired then the co-pilot takes over or the co-pilot kind of like keeps the driver awake or interacts with them so they can stay awake, right? Because they have to drive for like hours and hours. And so the co-pilot was like, there's a lady standing right there. Let's, and do you want to like pick her up? And my uncle's like, no, 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 I've heard the story. I don't want to risk it. And, you know, they just drive by and all of a sudden they feel this cold breeze from the back of the 18-wheeler and it's like if you've ever been inside an 18-wheeler you have the driver's side you have the passenger side and then you have like like a space in between where you can go back to the cabin I guess you can call it and you can either sleep there or you can like lay down and watch TV whatever it is and they couldn't move 
like after they felt that breeze, they could not move their heads. And they could like look, you know, with their eyes, peripheral, like through their peripheral vision and just like see that there was a lady, the same lady that was asking for for a ride was like sitting back there. And so after a minute, I guess she's like, no, it's not them. (laughs) She got off and then they were finally able to move and they were like freaked the hell out like shit I would have been but um yeah imagine somebody you're just driving and then out of nowhere somebody disappears in your damn back you're like yep. shit <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you didn't crash you right know? so it happens right like if you if you just keep driving sometimes they just tend to get on and they're like I just want to make sure it's not oh. you so I won't kill you but if oh. you are then I'll kill you mm-hmm <laughs> So um, our next scary story is not really a scary story, but I wanted to tie it in because uh, I came upon this this character in another book, and I will, and I wanted to know if like what was in that book that was like her her um, her story. So I'm gonna talk about Baba Yaga, and she is the Russian uh, wild witch of the East, and I came upon this. Um, this book and scribe app and it has a whole bunch of her fairy tales so while going through them they're not really scary scary you know but they're i guess when you're little they're scary and the one that i found uh, that was interesting or that i kind of like was called um the brother once there once there lived a lady she had three daughters and a little son she took very great care of her son and wouldn't let him out the house one splendid Summer day, the daughters came to their mother and asked they let them take their brother to a walk in the garden. For a long time, the mother wouldn't agree. Then finally, she let him go. They walked for a long time in the garden. Suddenly, a strong wind came up. The sand and dust rose up in the cloud, and the child was torn out of the nanny's arms and carried off to who knows where. They looked and looked for him in the garden, but they couldn't find him. They cried a bit, and then they went and told their mother that their little brother had disappeared. The mother sent the oldest daughter to look for him. She went out into the meadow where three paths lay in front of her. She sat along the one that went straight ahead. She walked and walked until she came upon a birch tree. Birch tree, birch tree, tell me where my little brother is. Pick leaves from me, take half of them for yourself, and leave half for me. I'll come in handy to you in time. The girl didn't listen. She said, I don't have time. And she went on further. She came to an apple tree. Apple tree, apple tree, did you happen to see my little brother? Pick all the apples off me. Take half for yourself and leave half for me. I'll come in handy to you in time. She said, no, I don't have time. How can I pick fruit? I'm going to look for my very own blood brother. She walked and walked. She came upon a stove. And the stove had been lit. It was very hot. Stove, stove. Did you happen to see my little brother? Fair maiden, sweep out the stove, bake a wafer, take half for yourself, and then half for me. I'll come in handy to you in time. How can I sweep and bake? I'm on my way to take care of my, of my brother. She went on further. A house was standing on chicken legs, on spindle heels. It stood there, spun around. She said, little house, little house, stand with your back to the woods, your front to me. The house turned around and she went into it. She said a prayer to God and bowed in all the four directions. A Baba Yaga was laying on the bench with her head in the wall 
her legs sticking up into the ceiling and hungry as anything. Baba Yaga said, Fay, Fay, Fay. Until now, there's been, there was no smell or sight of a Russian soul. You, maiden, are you doing a deed or fleeing a deed? She said, Granny, I'll, I walked over mosses and over swamps. I got all soaked through and I came to you to warm up. Sit down, fair maiden, and look for things on my head. She sat down to look and saw her brother sitting on a chair while the tomcat, Yeremi, told him stories and sang songs. The old woman, the Baba Yaga, fell asleep. The girl took her brother and ran off to take him home. She came to the stove. Stove, stove, hide me. No, fair maiden, I would not hide you. She came to the apple tree. Apple tree, apple tree, hide me. No, fair maiden, I won't hide you. She came to the birch tree. Birch tree, birch tree, hide me. No, fair maiden, I won't hide you. She walked on further, but then the cat started to purr, and Baba Yaga woke up, and she and she saw the boy was missing. She she shouted, Great Eagle, fly off at once. The sister's been here, and she's taken the boy. This eagle this, this eagle was one who had carried the boy away from his mother. The gray eagle flew off. Stow, Stow, did you happen to see? Did a girl pass by here with a little boy? Yes, she did. The eagle flew away, flew farther. Apple tree, apple tree, did you happen to see? Did a girl pass by here with a little boy? She just went by. An eagle flew on to the birch tree. It caught up right up to the girl and took away the, her brother and scratched her all up, scratched her all over with his claws. She came home to her mother. No, mother, I didn't find my own dear brother. Then the middle child asked, will you let me go search for our brother? They let her go. She set off and everything happened the same way. She came home all tattered and scratched all over. The youngest daughter started asking to go. They told her, your two sisters went out and didn't find him. And you wouldn't find him either. God knows, maybe I will find him. She set off. She came to the birch tree. Birch tree, birch tree, tell me where my little brother is. Pick leaves off me. Take half for yourself and half and leave half for me. I'll come in handy to you sometime. She picked the little leaves, and she took half for herself and left half for the tree. She went on farther. She came to the apple tree. Apple tree, apple tree, did you happen to see my little brother? Fair maiden, pick apples from me. Take half for yourself, leave half for me. I'll come and hand it to you sometime. She picked the apples. She took half for herself and left half for the tree. She went on farther. She came to the stove. Stove, stove, did you happen to see my little brother? Fair maiden, sweep me out and bake a wafer. Take half for yourself and, and leave half for me. So she sweeped out the, the stove, baked a wafer, took half for herself, and left half for the stove. She went along further. She came close and saw a little house standing on chicken legs, on spin, spindle heels. Spinning around, she said, little house, little house, stand with your back to the forest with your front to me. The house turned. She went inside and said a prayer to God. She had brought along with her a piece of butter, some pretzels, and some of everything. The Baba Yaga said, until now, there was no smell or sight of a Russian soul. But now a Russian soul appears before my eyes. Why are you here, fair maiden? Are you doing a deed or fleeing a deed? No, granny. I was walking through the forest, through the swamps, and I got soaked through, chilled through. I dropped by your, by your place to warm up. She said, sit down, fair maiden. Look for the things in my head. She began to look and kept saying, Fall asleep one eye, fall asleep other eye. If you don't fall asleep, I'll pour pitch over you. Baba Yaga fell asleep. The girl took 
some cotton and dipped it in pitch. Smeared Baba Yaga's eyes with pitch. Right away, she gave the cat Yurimi a, a piece of butter and a donut and some pretzels and some apples, some of everything. She took her brother. The cat ate his fill, lay down, and took a nap. She left with her brother. She came to the stove and said, Stove, stove, hide me. Sit down, fair maiden. Right away, the stove was spread out. It got much wider. She sat down in it, and the Baba Yaga woke up. But she couldn't pull her eyes open, so she crawled to the door and shouted, Tom, cat, hear me? Claw my eyes out. But he answered her, I lived with you so long, and I never saw so much as a burnt crust. But the fair maiden came for an hour, and she gave me a lump of butter. Then Baba Yaga crawled to the threshold. She shouted, Great Eagle, fly at once. The sister's been here. She's taken her brother away. He flew off. He flew up to the stove. Stove, stove, did you happen to see? Did a girl happen to pass here with her little brother? No, I haven't seen anything. And why, stove, have you gotten so wide? It said, it just for a time, I was stopped not long ago. Then the eagle went back again, scratched and scratched at the Baba Yaga's eyes, scratched her all over. The sister and brother came to the apple tree. Apple tree, apple tree, hide me. Sit down, fair maiden. The apple tree made itself fluffy and curly. She sat down in the in the curve of the trunk. Then the great eagle came flying again, flew to the apple tree. Apple tree, apple tree, did you happen to see? Did a girl happen to pass here with the little boy? It answered, no. Why have you, apple tree, gotten so curly, lowered your branches right down to the ground? The time has came, it said. I'm standing here all curly. The eagle went back to the babiaga. It clawed and clawed, but it couldn't scratch her eyes open. And the girl came to the birch tree. Birch tree, birch tree, hide me. Sit down, my dear, it said. It made itself fluffy, curly, like the apple tree. The great eagle came flying again. Birch tree, birch tree, did you happen to see? Did a girl happen to pass by here with a little boy? No, she didn't. The eagle Went back again. The girl came home and brought the little boy with her. Everyone rejoiced. The end. You're like, the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder if how how well-known Baba Yaga is oh, yeah. in Russia. This is my first time hearing, I mean, my first time hearing of a lot of things, right? But Baba Yaga, I'm, I don't think I've heard of her. By From your description, I felt like I've seen her, but I haven't, I guess I just didn't know the name of her, like her name. Yeah, um, I came, I found out who she was through a book that I was reading, and she was one of the characters. And in that book, she had uh, a caravan, and she had a bunch of mirrors in there. And that made me uh, interested and curious to see if that was her tale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I came upon her, a book, the fairy tale books of Baba Yaga. And who she is, she is the Russian wild witch of the East. She appears to be in many uh, folk tales in Russia and the Ukraine mm-hmm. uh, since the 18th century. So she is supposedly indestructible and so powerful that she doesn't have any alliance to the devil or God. She is her own woman. And her major prey is children and young women. So she steals, like a lot of the stories that I was reading through, she steals, um, the children or the young women, sometimes men. Um, she does uh, mother children, mainly daughters. And I'm assuming it's from the men that she captures. Mm-hmm. And I think she's also, maybe I'm wrong, but 
the gingerbread house, you know, with Hansel and Gretel. I think yeah. she's Baba Yaga. Uh, because if you kill one, there's another one replace her. So, you know, she, I guess when she dies, another person that uh, is a Baba Yaga or has that trade or in their, I don't know, turns into it. And so she holds, she's also said that she holds the secret of water of life. And when you see Baba Yaga, she's like an old crone woman. Um, you'll see a lot of description of her riding a mortal and pest, uh, riding a mortal and she's holding a pestle as a club. And then she has a broom that she sweeps away her tracks so you can't find her. When uh, I started looking up stories about her, I also came across a story on Netflix called, I don't know if you've seen it, it's called Night, um, Night Library or something like that. There's a book of it. And, mm-hmm. and that in the in the movie, it's like this kid, he gets trapped into this apartment and there's a witch and then there's other kids that get trapped there and he has to write scary stories for her. And um, there's no way out. Only the way to get in is through these keys that the witch has. Mm-hmm. And then to find out that the witch that captured him is really was a child, too, that got captured by that apartment. And that apartment moves all around the world and it lures children in. So, and then um, they also find out that the the original witch that captured him isn't the main witch, that the main witch is asleep. And because of the scary stories that he has to write, it like fuels her. So she mm-hmm. doesn't wake up and she stays asleep. So I think she's a Baba Yaga as well. But I just wanted to include it because I thought it was interesting just to hear these little folks, folk stories. Do you guys know, I have moved to a different state. And so with that, I was um, able to secure a new home as well. So I've actually gone through a couple of of interesting events um, in this new home that I am living in. Um, we initially purchased it like back in, in August, I want to say, and things just have, you know, kept falling into place since then um but we didn't move in until like a month later i remember like whenever i first arrived you know i came in i introduced myself to the spirit of the home i let the spirit of the home know that we were going to live here now and that we just wanted to create like pretty memories um good memories and just you know have like a good vibe and that way we could work together i could protect her she could protect us um, et cetera, et cetera. Right after that, I went ahead and I did a smoke cleanse. I didn't feel much of the energy change. So I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it was just me. Maybe I didn't, you know, I'm just a little bit overwhelmed and tired from the, from the trip. I walked out to the U-Haul and I fell down on my right knee. And so I landed on, if you, if you go to your right knee and you touch your knee, like right underneath your knee or, or rather around it, um, you'll feel like a little bone, right? That connects that to the remainder of your leg. Um, and I felt like right on it. And it was so weird because the way it happened was weird. The injury was weird. It's like I I fell on that part of the skin and that part of the skin just kind of like was like squished. I don't know, for lack of better word, right? Like it's, I'm, I'm trying to think about it and then I'm like, you know, it was, it was also weird. And so I just, you know, I kept unpacking, I kept unpacking. 
but then I started thinking about the fall and I was like that was that was a interesting fall it's I didn't I honestly didn't see it coming some falls you do see coming and you kind of like block block the fall but this one I didn't and so I was like okay let's try another incense just just in case right just to try it out so I tried a couple of other incense sticks and I, I, I still didn't feel anything. I looked at my bag of what I had and the last incense that I that I had yet to try was a myrrh incense. And then once I lit that, I felt like I definitely felt a change in energy. I felt like lighter. I felt happier. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, okay. We are dealing with a dead. <laughs> a spirit of the dead. And... I was like, you know what? Let me let me ask a friend to see how we can go ahead and how I can go ahead and like further clear this house and see what's going on. And she was like, just go ahead and light a candle, make sure that it's white, and then just keep an eye on it. And I lit the candle and within an hour it was gone. It was like, I don't know, maybe five, six inches tall. And I remember right before I came to Colorado, I stopped by the lab and I picked up like a shit ton of incense and candles and, you know, because I, I wanted to be prepared, you know, you never know, right? Mm-hmm. And so I turned that candle on and it was like, it was gone within an hour and nothing of the candle was left, you know, typically like a piece of a wick or that like aluminum thing at the bottom is left. One, I don't think they it had the aluminum thing, but it was just completely gone, like, I looked at where I put the candle and it just had like a little circle of oil and that was it. But it was like, it looks like that oil had dried up days ago. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was like, what's okay. So let's, let's turn on candles. <laughs> let's offer some water because we don't know. We don't, I don't know what's going on. And it right now I'm like, I was in the middle of unpacking um, and then just cleaning the house and just getting it ready for, for all of us to sleep there that night. And so it wasn't until a couple of weeks ago, like maybe I want to say that it was like now it's been like, what, four weeks since it happened. Um, I had a dream in which the spirit of the house was actually talking to me or showing me other tenants, like previous tenants that it's had. And it was just going over them. And it was showing me like different scenes. For example, one of them, she was telling me that the chick, which I actually later found out that was the first owner of this house, she lived here by herself. And um, she eventually met up, met up with someone and, and they started dating. And the spirit of the house was like, he was really nice to her in front of other people. But whenever they were alone, he was really mean to her. And so um, he sh- she showed me that. And she showed me other couple of things. And, and in one scene, we were standing outside the house. And she was like, she pointed over to the house next to us, to a house on, on one side of us. And she was like, by the way, an old lady died there. And I was like, holy shit, that's probably, that's probably the spirit that's like like haunting my place. <laughs> like there's probably something going on with that lady right there. Because we're so close. And... um. You know, looking at that place, I, I like looked at it and I'd see the front door and there was like this weird lock, like not the type of lock that 
that houses have whenever it's being sold. It, it was like a, a more secure lock, heavier, bulkier lock. And it looks like it hasn't been opened or touched in in a long time. So I was like, oh, probably that's the spirit that has something to do with this. So um, it showed me a couple of, of other things. And in the same dream, I was actually walking back and forth in between those houses. And as I was walking back to my house, there was a spot in between our houses that's um, that was empty. But then I saw in my dream a cage with two birds in there. And then there were like other, I guess you can say like wild free birds, you know, standing around. I, and I like ran up to the cage wanting to make sure that the, the birds, because it looked like they've been there for a long, long time. And so I wanted to make sure that they, they had food, they had water, that they had something because it really didn't look like it had anything. Rather, the, the cage looked like it had layers of dust. And so as I was approaching them, this bigger white bird in my dream that had like black around its eyes, it like... As I was reaching, it like with its beak grabbed my arm and kind of like stopped me. And it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, I started to get a pain in that same wrist, that same part of the arm, and I'm still dealing with it. But I feel like it's a it's an old wound, but you know, I'll get to that later. And so it kind of like stopped me, and I was like, I just want to make sure that they have food and they have water. And I kind of like moved my arm around to where it wasn't going to like break my arm or anything. And then he like let go of me and he said in this really like croaky, croak-ish voice, he pretty much like croaked it at me. He said water and then he said fruit, but he said it in Spanish. And it sounded like either he hasn't talked in a while or he's been talking for too long and his voice is like, sore kind of like mine right now and then I was like okay I'll go ahead and get it and then I got up and then to get the water and the fruit and then I woke up and I was like that is that was a weird ass fucking dream right Mm -hmm. okay so like a couple of I want to say that a week later my husband was outside talking to the neighbor because we have discovered that there are some plumbing issues in this house and so we just we were curious if this was like something that the neighbor the neighbors were dealing with if it was something that we were just dealing with. And so the neighbor just pretty much like gave my husband all the tea, right? About about the, ten- the previous tenants of this house, <laughs> <laughs> about a guy who lives on our other side who I call him racist Joe because he said racist shit over the phone that I can hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was like, <clears throat> yeah, so so the late, the, the house on the other side like five or six years ago, a lady died there. And we were like, what the fuck? <laughs> because it's like that, you know, there was somebody living there and that the lady died there. And I don't know, he didn't go into how she died, but um, it turns out that the houses kind of like went into the hands of the of her kids and they haven't touched it or been in it or opened the house ever since the lady died and so it's just pretty much an abandoned house and I mean that's pretty cool right because we don't have to deal with any noise or any issues coming from that house aside from her haunting or like trying to like cause issues with our house because she has caused and I actually found her found out what her name is 
and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, that's so creepy. But, um, you know, because I've, if, I've noticed that if we have a candle and it, it ends, and for whatever reason, I don't turn one immediately right away, at least before, something would happen like I and it like painfully happened like I would stub my toe on a box or like one occasion my mom was going down the stairs and she almost fell down on a different occasion I was going down the stairs and I almost fell down and so like just weird things like that like things just randomly falling to where it could really hurt us and so I had to like sit down with the spirit of the house and be like okay I just want you to know that while I'm here I'm always gonna have a candle on because I have ancestors and I have spirit guides that need it. Therefore, you don't have to worry about shit never being on. But see, what's what I find interesting is, I mean, after that, she kind of like stopped. But then what I find interesting is, how is it that, you know, she lived in a different house, but then it's affecting my home. And so that's something that I'm still trying to figure out and like trying to like that set up my boundaries. Hmm? That ghost is coming into your house? Yeah, like, she she is, like, affecting the energy in my house. Y'all's house is connected, like, to a wall, or is she, like, on a separate plot? It's, like, the, um, the backyard is, like, connected. So I want to say that there's that connection. Oh, okay. Maybe she's been inside y'all's house before. Like, whoever lived there before, maybe she mm-hmm. had some, some energies, but... A protection around your house mm-hmm. to keep things out. Yeah. Like, um, talismans or stuff like that. I know when um, we moved into this apartment, mm-hmm. like as before, I've always. Is this the first time you've had a dream of where you were living? Or have you had dreams of like <clears throat> the other apartments or places you've lived? This has been the first dream where it's, like, that clear. Like, I remember in my previous home in Texas, I would see the spirit of the home. And, like, toward the end of our stay there, there was construction. And she didn't like that at all. And I I'd see her spirit, like, floating outside <laughs> just mm-hmm. random places. And she was, like, really upset. But I was like, there's really nothing we can do about it. And so we just kind of, like, got over it. But like where this has been the first dream where it's like clear as day like yo there's a lady that died there and just i just fyi (laughs) this is what's going on i know because um i've had a few dreams with it like i wake up in my parents house and the first time i've woken up well actually in every place i've lived i've at least had one dream that i dream about that place and normally it's something that I really have to pay attention to whatever that dream is. Um, but more recent one that I've had was when we moved into this apartment, literally the first day we got this apartment. Uh, we brought the kids to see it because we were living at my parents' house and we wanted them to like see their place where we we're going to move. And so we got here not intending to sleep here, just to come and look at it and go back to my parents' house. And the next day we move everything, right? Because I initially wanted to bless the house and cleanse the house and everything before we slept in it. But when we got here, the kids were like, I want to sleep. So um, we went and went back to my parents' house. We got some blankets and stuff and uh, some clothes. And we went back, came back to the apartment and we made a pallet 
in the in the living room. Literally, we had nothing in this place. And so I remember it was like six o'clock in the morning, and I remember hearing my partner leave for work, and it was just the girls and I. And I went back to sleep. I remember I said bye, love you, and I went back to sleep. And out of nowhere, in my dream, I wake up in the living room, like. Living room starts, it's like shaking. There's like a lot of noise. It's like, and you know how when you see scary movies and there's like the lights are flashing and mm-hmm. everything shake? That's how it was. And if I felt it, and the kids woke up, and this is all in my dream, mind you, and I didn't know. And <laughs> my oldest gets close to us because my youngest was in the middle and my oldest was, was on the outer. And I remember we're like holding each other and like trying to just wait for it to stop. And mm-hmm. it was, it was, it was persistent. It was going, it was like this loud noise, all these lights and the apartment was shaking. And I remember, cause our living room is like, right. It's connected to our, our kitchen and our little table area, even though we don't have a table there. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had gotten in between both the girls and I was like, I was holding them and I was praying. I was praying to God. I was praying everything that would make it stop. Cause it was just getting louder. And then out of nowhere, Cause you know how, so you have your third eye and mm-hmm. most of the time it's, you know, you can't see it, it's invisible, but it's there. And out of nowhere, I start seeing like the girls start freaking out. They start screaming and I look at them and their third eye starts coming out. And if you, uh, have you seen the, I don't know if y'all seen, but those draw um, pictures or even if you have the Kalima, um, Oracle deck, yeah. they are depicted with the the eye vertically instead of horizontally, and that's how it looked. And I'm like shook because I could feel it in my own head, like open up. Mm-hmm. And then everything, and it just starts getting crazier. And then out of nowhere, I'm praying, asking for help. In the middle, like right above our heads, where my between my kitchen and the living room, like a portal opens. And my friend that I know comes through, but she's not like her normal self. She's in like, another aspect of herself. And if you all see in Little Mermaid, how Ursula is half octopus. And then it, the part is, you know, of a woman. That's how she looked. And then also too, her, thigh, her third eye was out and it was the same. And she was like, don't freak out. Just come with me. And I don't know why I was like, okay. So we, us three left, I was, I was ready to get the fuck out of that, that apartment because it was, you know, it was freaking out. So we, I walked, we jumped through the, through the portal, wherever we were in, and we end up in the ocean and we're swimming and this, and she's telling us, telling me different things of what had happened. I can't remember everything. And we start, because sw- we start going to this city and the only way through that city is through the ocean. Mm-hmm. and uh, we were there for a while and I remember that's when they told me I was dreaming that I was asleep because before then all I thought was I was awake and I was experiencing this within my waking self you know mm-hmm. and then I was like you're lying and then they sh- they were sh- I remember waking up or seeing glimpses and seeing the girls still asleep in the living room they're like they're fine just chill and so then they show me all these things. And then I remember at the end, um, they show us to this pool. And in this pool, everybody's kind of standing around. And they, they tell me that 
this water is very sacred. That if you jump in it, it it reveals your animal essence that lives within you. And I know where that's when I see my brother, my middle brother, and my mom. And my middle brother, he's very like doesn't believe in magic. He froze. Or, oh shit! I see my brother, and he jumps into the water and comes out as a giant like grizzly bear. And I was like, oh. And then and then I thought about it. I was like, that makes a lot of sense because if you see my brother, he's mm-hmm. like he's he he's like 5'11", but he's kind of big and he has like a, a lumberjack beard. He's very mm-hmm. manly, likes to hunt guns and all that stuff. So I was like, that makes a lot of sense. And and then my mom was about to jump and I had woke up. And I've never experienced that type of dream inside a home. So then I had messaged my friend that I dreamed about. And I told her what happened. And she was like, you need to cleanse the house. So I did. I cleansed everything. I talked to the spirit, let her know. We're just, you know, we're trying to build a family. Not build a family, but, you know, make memories here. We come in peace. We, you know, we just want to live here. We want to be safe. And because, you know, when I live in an apartment, so when you live in places where other people have dwelled, can you know, often, you know, and they change out regularly, you're going to have uh, energy that kind of still stays there, especially if nobody has cleaned it, cleaned it before. Mm-hmm. So I cleaned it and I asked what all the spirits not the energy that was here from somebody else to return back to where you come from because you can't stay here no more, you know? And right. everything since then has been good. Um, I have a lot of dreams of my parents' house um, a lot, especially when I've lived there. Um, I don't know. Have you ever had, like, weird encounterings when you're awake? Like, what do you mean? Like, if you're, like, you know, doing normal stuff, going out places or, like, going to the store putting gas have you ever had like something weird happen to you I mean always I just there's not like a specific one that kind of like pops into my mind um one that I guess immediately does is um this one time when I was still living with my parents and they had just come back from Mexico I was sitting on my couch in the living room and I was facing the tv because I was just about to turn on the tv and watch watch probably a cartoon or something I don't know Mm -hmm. um and so I was sitting down and I had the remote in my hand and I pointed at the tv and then I realized that I saw my shadow I saw my not my shadow but like my um my figure silhouette yeah my silhouette thank you I saw my silhouette on the tv I saw the silhouette of the couch and then to my right because I was I was sitting on the right side of the couch and to my right there was a lamp and right behind, like, me in between the lamp and, and myself, I saw a silhouette of a lady standing right there just looking at me, like, with her head down, just looking at me. And I recognized her from, I want to say that I saw her either earlier that day or a couple of days right before I was in the kitchen, I was washing the dishes, and right where the where the sink is, that's where you can face like it's facing the living room right but on top of that we had cabinets and so i was washing the dishes i looked up and then i saw the torso of that lady from like literally her her neck all the way to her waist and she was walking in front of me going to the left and then to to my left side there's like the entrance to the kitchen so it looked like she was walking toward the kitchen and about to like walk in 
And so as she turned the corner, she just disappeared. But I was able to see like the color of her skin. I was able to see what she was wearing. And it seemed like she was wearing a 1950s, um, not a gown, but like, why can I not talk to it? Yeah, like a robe. But it was like so sheer and it was like a soft pink. Um, And then so I saw that and then later that day or a couple days later I saw her standing behind me right as I was about to turn on the tv and at that point I had already been desynthesized from anything scary and so anything that I saw or heard I was just like okay what what do you need me to do something you want to tell me something (laughs) if you are go ahead and do it because I got I got things I need to do (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah that's that's the first that's like the the thing that pops into my mind like right at the top of my head yeah i know um recently i think it was last year around august um because i've had another experience too where i've seen like a woman and stuff at my parents house like mm-hmm. but this one time i was by myself and i was putting gas in my car and you know i don't if y'all live in, in texas i don't know where else um there's valeros but um the Valeros here they have like tvs that turn on when you walk up to them and so i'm putting gas and i'm like i'm I'm praying because this is when i did uber so i would pray before i would go do uber and i'm not paying attention so i'm looking down and then i know where that thing starts playing but i'm not really like paying attention to it and then out of nowhere i hear there was like a middle-aged white man on the screen and I hear him say, um, you think you can hide from me? I'll find you. And I'm like, I look up. I'm like, the fuck? And I'm like standing there like, what? Did that happen? Did I really hear what he just said? And then um, for some reason, when when we're doing this last, we're set, the first recording of this, you know, um, mm-hmm. if y'all don't know, we did a recording before audio fucked up. I don't think we mentioned it. Oh, we haven't mentioned it, but the audio fucked up. So we're doing it again. And <laughs> after the so first... T- so to elaborate on that a little bit, we had done a previous recording of this episode. And like whenever we uploaded on the editing platform, there was no sound. Yeah, and so nothing. we had to like, one, we were freaking out. But then two, we were like, holy shit, we need to record this episode again. <laughs> and then we were like, ah, ah, okay, sure. <laughs> so after that first time, um, we... I was talking to my partner about, you know, what we're we're talking about in our, in our episode. And it made me remember uh, my dreams because in the beginning of 2020, I was having these dreams. I was being chased by something and we were, it was always coming after me. Like it had my scent and it always shape shift. Like I, nobody else could tell who it was, but I knew just by seeing it. And, um, and then it made me think, of the skinwalker, I was like, maybe myself when I was little or something was whistling and now I have this fucking thing after me. But luckily, I haven't dreamed about it in a while. And uh-huh. um, even, you know, when I saw that thing at Valero, I had already stopped dreaming about it because I had killed it in my dream. And then it reappeared again and I killed it again. And then I didn't see it for a while. And that's when I saw it. So I don't know. You never know with spirits because... Especially when you're dealing with this stuff, you track things, especially if you're already bright and you don't deal with this stuff Mm -hmm. and your energy is very bright, you attract 
things that come after you. Yeah, and especially if if you are doing this on your own, like you don't know, right? And there's no one there to guide you and to tell you, hey, you need to set up these protective boundaries around you or like whistling at night attracts skinwalkers, Allie. <laughs> I didn't know. Okay? I, didn't, I didn't even know until my daughter told me last Sunday when we did the recording. And you were like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm like, I whistle a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I mean... It's it's a learning experience for sure. Um, you know that I I believe that the intention at the end of the day counts for everything. If you're doing it for the highest highest good and with unconditional love, like you should be fine. But if you're doing it with like I don't know ulterior motives that are not aligned with that, then that's when you really need to start worrying about the consequences or what it is that you're attracting. You know? Yeah, and always you know work on your protections what I always do with myself and my kids because you know my kid Mm -hmm. I know we are very you know our energy is very bright so always protect yourself um you know I don't have kids but I do that with with Diego my chihuahua and just protect yourself you know ask pray to whoever you pray to ask for protection ask your ancestors to protect you and you know but and keep those protections always live, always refreshing them because something always tries to sweet, you know, creep in when they see their chance, they're going to do it. So mm-hmm. especially when you're in doing stuff like we do. True, true, true. All right. So that is all we have today. It's, it's a pretty long episode. Um, so I, we appreciate it so much that you have made it this far. You know, thank you so much. Keep an eye on our Instagram account at magical.tease.oracles to stay up to date with all things magical. Remember that magical is spelled with a C and a K. Catch us on our next episode. Until then, bye. Bye. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at magicaltease.oracles.